Testing, 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 do you read? We inhale. It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. And welcome back. Episode 8, Midday Bandit Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Beckler. Join us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Uh, we don't have a Twitter yet. Email us at sports at gmail.com. I'm Eric Miller alongside Noah Pegler. Episode 8, Season 2. We're glad that you could join us. Uh, Noah, how was your weekend, sir? Well, the big game Super Bowl did not disappoint. Definitely enjoyed... Uh, the different festivities, of course, uh, got some pizza, um, had a nice uh, bit of cheesecake that my sister made as uh, she, she's been very creative with some of her desserts lately and definitely enjoyed that halftime show uh, with uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, definitely a good halftime show this year and was definitely an enjoyable game to watch. How about you, Eric? It was fun. Um, I remember most of it because I think I got a little, Tipsy again. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling it too heavy this time, right? Um, I'll have to show you the picture later of what <laughs> what happened. <laughs> uh, not okay. too bad though. I think it was more the food that got me uh, a little too much because we had brisket, we had pork, we had mac and cheese, we had pizza, we had wings. Like there was a spread oh, at the place that I was at. Um, wow! And then also we had my wife made. We have these homemade, like she found this recipe years ago. It's cheesecake cupcakes. And it, oh, it like chocolate chips in them, dark chocolate. Uh, oh, man, it is so good. We have like four left, which I'm about to eat some after this episode. <laughs> uh, but it, it was it was a great day overall. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl did not disappoint. I, I thought I was glad it was a lot closer. Uh, then I had, I, I thought it obviously could go two ways. It could be a really, really close game where the Rams are going to dominate and it's going to be a big block. Um, thankfully, it did not go that way. Um, but also, there was the great halftime show, which I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty sure I lost my voice because I was singing, I was jamming. I knew almost every song except Kendrick Lamar, but I knew the Snoop and Dre. I, I danced to the Mary J. Blige because, you know, it's just, she's like the queen of R&B. And then, of course, Eminem coming out like, oh, man. And I think it was awesome because the one a lot of people say Prince and Michael Jackson was the best Super Super Bowl halftime show of all time. But you think about it, the reason why was because it brought back so much nostalgia for that fan base. When when I was young and I saw it, I'm like, all right, let's get music, whatever. But I didn't understand the historical piece of it when you're growing up. You listen to Michael Jackson. You listen to Prince. You listen to Queen. You listen to The Who. Those that was that generation's era of music, which isn't a bad thing. But now you fast forward about thirty years later, Eminem, Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, even now Kendrick Lamar. Those are the people that everyone listened to when I was growing up about twenty five years ago. So to me, I loved it because it was it brought me back to the time where hey, I'm eleven years old. F this, F <laughs> and just enjoying life because I had no responsibilities, which I think is what exactly what the Super Bowl halftime show is supposed to do, which is why I love this past Super Bowl halftime show. 
The one thing I also love is uh, the creation of the new meme with 50 Cent, where it's like, you know, trying to plug in your phone. <laughs> that was super funny. <laughs> I forgot that he was actually a thing. But also, if you watch Power, I believe it's on Showtime or Stars, one of the two. I don't ha- I've seen a few episodes, a few seasons. I enjoyed it, but it kind of got a little redundant for me. Um, but yeah, bringing 50 Cent back, like we're in the club. I remember jamming out to that when I was in middle school. Like, I remember bobbing my head and everything, dancing to that song with my friends. Like, hey, we're back in middle school, baby. <laughs> I had no problems with this with this halftime show. I absolutely enjoyed it very much. Um, mm-hmm. It is, ah, it was, it was good, you know? Like, The Who, I feel like brought back a lot of fans from the older generation of that's their childhood. That was their music. If we had the Beatles, you imagine what kind of show that would have been like? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like thinking of like some of the legendary bands, I mean, the Beatles, I mean, if Queen ever got a oh. chance to play, I mean, that would probably be regarded as probably the best halftime show ever. And then uh, I don't think, I don't think Guns N' Roses, did, did they ever play a halftime show? I don't think they ever did. I don't think they did. Yeah, not them or I don't think ACDC ever did either. I mean, I'm just no. thinking of classic rock groups that have not played uh, the, the halftime show. Metallica would be great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that is just like, just that song. You play that song at the Super Bowl halftime show because it's going to take that much time anyways. I'm done. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's their, that's the one song. I mean, your your intro, because, I mean, it would definitely pump everyone up at that point. Yeah, and, like, everyone's already excited. If Like, if it was a boring Super Bowl, you would want Metallica as, like, all right, we're going to keep everyone awake and alive in this song. I mean, Super Bowl 48 would have been perfect for that. Just set- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, like, I like, there's a few Super Bowls, and, like, that time show i really didn't care for whatever i really listen to this music or i don't like this this genre of music but man this one that brought me back man when i was like 10 11 like was a real some shady please stand up oh man you only get one moment i remember i was sick when and this is a again, this is a long time me showing my age like 20 something years ago when I used to watch TRL on MTV. I know you youngins don't know what TRL is, but that's when they released a lot of music videos coming home from school at 3.30 on MTV. So I'd get home around 2.30, about 3 o'clock, have a snack, start working on my homework. Boom, TRL is on about 3, 3.30. You're watching the, the music videos coming on. And I remember I was sick. I think it was like 10 or 11. And the Lose Yourself music video aired on MTV when I was sick, lying on the couch, I'm like, oh, this is great. I love this song already. And that was when 8 Mile was coming out on, as a movie. So, yeah, it, it really brought me back to a simpler time in life. No, yeah, definitely a uh, good spectacle. But, of course, the game itself, I mean, yeah. definitely uh, one thing to talk about is the last game-winning drive touchdown pass to Cooper Cup who is our Super Bowl MVP. The man has become one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, just looking at this, I mean, 23 to 20. And I will say this, Burrow, I really, I mean, he's got a lot of potential and a bright future ahead of him. 
Oh, yeah. Get that man an offensive line. He was getting slaughtered out there during that second half because he just couldn't stay out on that field. He tried to with, you know, sprained MCL. It was just reported. And yep. just a tough game for the Bengals overall just in that second half. Yeah, seven times he was sacked in the game altogether. Two of those by Von Miller and also Aaron Donald, which we did say in the beginning of, of our prediction last week. These were going to be the two guys who were going to defend. Who were you going to double team? It didn't look like the double team to either of them. And Aaron Donald just manhandled himself and also got that big stop on third down with the one shot, the one hand. He was getting blocked and grabbed the running back, pulled him back for a yard short. And that's what kind of caused that fourth and short uh, to go towards the end of the game. But man, like, kind of brings you to question. What did Donald deserve the MVP award or did Cup actually deserve the MVP award as well? Because granted, Cup didn't have a bad game, and it's because of OBJ unfortunately tearing his ACL in the game. It, it just is a freak accident, it just happened. Um, he had at least a touchdown grab in the game as well early on. But once OBJ went down, you had to go, you had to cover Vance Jefferson. You were supposed to double team Cooper Cup, but you couldn't. You had the high safety. You also had the linebacker inside, but he was just too good. Yeah, I mean, I was watching a game with my brother, and he was telling me how he thought Aaron Donald probably should have gotten at least the part of the, the Super Bowl MVP, like a co-MVP sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how they did, I think, in Super Bowl 39 with the Patriots and Eagles. I think Deion Branch split it, I think, with another player for the Patriots. But it's happened a few times in Super Bowl history. Aaron Donald, I mean – the guy is a defensive legend, and you mentioned that. Like, he just brought that running back down with him. I mean, that, that was a big play right there. And overall, I mean, one thing that people are really talking about is the officiating because you, you look at the scoreline of this game. That's just how close it was. This should go down as one of the best Super Bowls that we've seen. But yet, for those who watch the game – this felt like Super Bowl 40. The officiating controlled what happened. The fact that you, right out of halftime, T. Higgins pulls the face mask of Jalen Ramsey. And that was what allowed the opening score for the Bengals to take the lead in the game. That played a critical role. And then you had the late hold in the game where they were like, where was the hold? Because they felt that was a terrible call. And that that should have uh, stopped that offensive drive for the Rams, but it didn't. It gave them a fresh set of downs. And also people were pointing out there was a false start on that hold. Like, so that play should never even happen. So there should have been a penalty against the Rams, but this was just a tough way for this game to you know, get marred by the controversy of what was going on. And it was a close game and the Bengals played their hearts out. And I saw Jamar Chase, you know, sitting on the sideline, like just devastated by the fact that they lost. Everything was going their way throughout the year. And these are heartbreaking losses. I know Cincinnati fans were broken the next day on Valentine's Day, especially for the kids, you know, had they had off of school. I mean, it's it's always nice, you know, to have a day off of school. But if you're a Bengals fan, you're like, really? Like, now this just reminds, <laughs> it just reminds me of why we're off of school today. I mean, even if it's Valentine's Day as well, because that, you know, how it worked out. And also, Eric Weddle. I mean, that guy played through a, I believe, an injury. Like, they showed yep. the pictures. Like, 
of his shoulder. I was like, holy crap, man, that that guy is one of the toughest players I've seen in football to play through that. I mean, it was a month's worth of football, and yet he's a Super Bowl champion. Just look at that. It's crazy. Well worth it to come back just for four, what, four or five games. You play the wild card, you play the divisional, the championship, and then the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll sign up for a auto retirement for those four games. I'll do that as well. Um, you did mention that people were talking about the busted up referees, and Tony Dungy probably put it the best. The officials were determined to ignore every violation when the ball was in play and only call false starts, delayed game, taunting. They made that pos- that posture for 58 minutes and 39 seconds. Then they started officiating, and that was a bad officiating game. Um Sometimes, though, you can't just play to the refs. You cannot allow the refs to dictate the game. Like, thinking about the la- the fourth quarter for the Bengals, the last three drives that they had, it was they only had three drives in the fourth quarter, two punts and a turnover on downs. The beginning of the game, they went for it early, which I thought was too aggressive for them as well. Now, again, I looked back at their stats in the um, in their regular season, they have gone for it several times on this on the season. Fourth down, they are 13 for 20. So we're used to them going for it in fourth down. Now, I'm not used to seeing them going for it because I'm not a Bengals fan, but some of the games that I saw, it was a little questionable, but they have had a good success record. So they were still trying to be themselves and be the team that they this is what got them here. This is how we're gonna get we're gonna get the job done. So I thought it was interesting that they were too aggressive early on and not when it mattered the most. Now, they had a few four downs, but they were over two on those four down conversions, which also caused them field position to give the Rams a better chance of getting the, the ends up scoring on those plays. But three drives in the fourth quarter, you go scoreless, you're down by three. That right there to me, you lost the game in the fourth quarter. You played up to who you were, but then lost to a better game plan than what you were going against. And I don't think Zach Taylor was ready for that. But again, it also showed what the Bengals' weaknesses were. You talked about it earlier on, their offensive line. Get Burrow help. We knew that this was a very a big weakness for the Cincinnati Bengals coming into this game. We saw that against the Titans, who doesn't have a great pass rush, and they, what, sacked them nine times in that game? So we knew going into this game the Bengals were going to have to block Donald or block Von Miller, who both got two, a pair of sacks. So we knew that. We knew they had really good receivers, which is why they had to be quick to the ball. The other thing that the Rams took away was their running game. Now, both teams had a total of 93 total rushing yards on the game, but you allowed 71 yards for Mixon, who also was not part of that fourth down play at the end of the game. So whatever happened there, we still have yet to hear about. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear why Mixon wasn't in on that play when he was in for the majority of the game. Was there an injury that was caused? Was there something else? We know that Joe Burrow had uh, tore an ACL or MCL on the last or coming into the game, and he didn't run to check out because he even said today, you're not taking me out of this game. There's no way in hell I am coming out in the Super Bowl. He, he did everything that he could do. They just fell short. And the better team won. The Rams were the better team. Even without OBJ, the better team finally won. Now, on the other side, I don't really think that Cooper Cup deserved the MVP, I thought Aaron Donald was the one that sealed the game. But again, listening to a lot of these sports t- uh, talk shows, they get the the Super Bowl MVP votes in by the two-minute warning. Apparently to them, Cooper Cup had more. 
had done more than Aaron Donald, I don't agree with. And there's a lot of people that I didn't agree that got the uh, Super Bowl MVP award as well. Um, you look at uh, some of these notable players from beforehand. Uh, Deion Branch, I didn't really think he should have gotten it back against the Eagles, couple of, like the first part of their dynasty. Um, Dexter Jackson, I thought, didn't really deserve it either. I thought, I believe, either John Lynch or even, um, oh, the uh, linebacker, I can't think of his name, Derek Brooks did more in that game than Dexter Jackson. I, I feel like the MVP of the Super Bowl isn't really the MVP because the most valuable player did more in that game, and that was Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough decision to make. I mean, you look at Cup stats, 92 yards receiving, two touchdowns on – Eight receptions, he was targeted 10 times, and, I mean, you, you should be thankful that they won the game, or otherwise people would be talking about uh, that sort of failed Philly special-like play where he, he had Stafford wide open and he threw him over by, like, almost a mile. It was like, <laughs> what is Stafford supposed to do there? I mean, it's a bad pass. And then, I mean, Aaron Donald, of course, I mean, you look at some of his stats, he made According to CBS, yeah, he had only uh, two sacks and uh, three tackles total. But, of course, yeah, that, that sack coming – or that that big play at the end. I mean, again, if he doesn't make that stop, yeah, Joe Burrow <laughs> would have gotten the first down. And then, I mean, be thankful they didn't give it to Jalen Ramsey because he was getting burnt in that game because it, it was awful the way he was playing. I mean, the, the cornerback play was actually not good at all because between no. him – and Eli Apple, like, I mean, he was getting beat by Cooper Cup almost every single play. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that 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 just goes to show why New York didn't keep him, or even New Orleans for that matter, because he just couldn't keep up with the top wide receivers. And then I feel bad for Odell. I mean, he wanted uh, to try – I mean, the, the guy just can't catch a break. ACL no. tears. I mean, my brother, um, he was playing FanDuel, and he only needed like a few more yards out of him. And he's like, he was upset because he because he because Odell was having such a good game. And looking at this, I mean, this brought up the discussion again where people are saying, like, get rid of turf fields. I mean, a bunch of the athletes were saying, get rid of turf fields. They're blaming that on the fact that you know your foot sticks to the turf more often. I mean, I got cleats. I was thinking about the other day. I mean, about four, I believe fourteen or and fourteen and fifth or the fifteen fields in the NFL use turf. Now mm-hmm. the thing is, is that some of them are most of them, some of them are outdoors. Stadiums like the Giants, the Bengals themselves use a turf field. Oh. I think the Ravens switched to turf at one point, yep. and then I know that you got other teams like uh, the Colts, the Texans. They use turf. Uh, the Patriots, yeah. Patriots use turf. The Bills use turf mainly because you can't even grow grass past September up there because it gets so cold there. And then other teams like Detroit and Minnesota, they have indoor stadiums. I mean, you're talking about, you know, millions of dollar renovations, you know, do the retractable stuff like Arizona and Las Vegas does. So that's just a lot of money to put it there. And then the one, but going back to the Super Bowl discussion, Matthew Stafford, the man finally has a ring. He now has the same amount of rings as Drew Brees oh. and Aaron Rodgers. I'm mentioning it now. Aaron <laughs> has the same amount of rings as you do, and yet you're talking about how you won four MVPs. He won, he won another MVP in the honors last week, but yet Stafford, he, 
in his first year with the Rams, just got himself a Super Bowl ring. And it's going to be interesting because I want to go into this Richard Sherman discussion. Just about to mention that. But yeah, continue, Eric, with uh, off of that. Well, I don't know. Before we get to the uh, the Richard Sherman tweet, I don't know if you noticed on the final play that there's a video or a picture shown before Burrow gets hit. Jalen Ramsey's on the ground. Jamar Chase is wide open on the final play. So Joe Burrow had maybe a tenth of a second to set his feet and to throw it downfield. That game could have gone a complete different way because, as you said, the corner the corners were getting burned. Like it was not a uh, a good game for corners or defensive backs a lot. They were getting destroyed. Jalen Ramsey, he's good, but he proved in the big game he's not that good. Um, so that that Super Bowl could have gone a different way. And also, I believe both teams had three timeouts, or I think the I think the uh, the Bengals had three timeouts had that at that point, and the Rams only had two. So it, things could have gone differently had that happened. But to get to that tweet from Richard Sherman, as Noah alluded to, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. But this is what Richard Sherman says. But the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now. It's like a participation trophy. No all-team deck, no all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even an MVP of the Super Bowl, never considered the best in any year he played, and at least Matt Ryan has an MVP award. And I'd be really, I'd really listen to what Richard Sherman says, because he's a smart guy. He loves to run his mouth, but he backs it up. And that's the one, he's a very smart person, came from Stanford. He knows what he's talking about. Is he a little too critical of Matthew Stafford, though, who also is just outside of the top 10 of quarterbacks in the um, in, of all time for the passing yards? Yeah, to look at Matthew Stafford's career, he only has the one Pro Bowl. I mean, you compare it to, say, uh, Eli Manning, because, I mean, my brother, uh, who's uh, always teased me about Eli Manning, just because, you know, being a Giants fan and everything, I've always had to hear every single time, yeah, Eli's washed or he's just <laughs> not that good. But then uh, looking at this, I mean, I mean, Eli Manning has four Pro Bowls. He also won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which – in the NFL nowadays, they really hold that to a high regard, like the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Mm. I mean, congratulations to Andrew Whitworth for winning it this season uh, for Los Angeles, who's now also Super Bowl champion. But then I was looking at Stafford. You, you mentioned it. Top, like, 10 near some of the passing yards and the stats. Yeah, that, that goes a long way. But at the same time, I mean, people look at it, MVP, All-Pro. But then more importantly, it's more of a record sort of thing, like his win percentage, because he still has a losing record as a quarterback. That could change next year as long as he gets another winning season with the Rams. Then that would at least help him with the respect. But at the same time, you look at what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. It's usually Super Bowl champions, but then also All-Pro nominations and then also Pro Bowl. I mean, I thought Stafford actually got in the Pro Bowl more, but mm-hmm. I was wrong. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that obviously because he didn't have a lot of winning seasons with Detroit, but then also his health. The guy just unfortunately had some injuries at different points in his career where he was missing some time and that doesn't help. And you also got to think, I mean, the 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 Pro Bowl, I mean, depending on how many you make, I mean – even then, you're talking about Matthew Stafford separating himself. I mean, 
so if you base it off of record, some people would compare Stafford to say like Tony Romo or even Jay Cutler for how his play is. But clearly with him winning this championship, this shows that he should be get at least earn his reputation back. I mean, mm-hmm. if he could really push himself at the end of his career, get another Super Bowl or two, then that would really change people's opinions about him. I mean, Richard Sherman definitely uh, just talking about it, obviously, with him being – he used to be part of the 49ers, and now he's with the Buccaneers. So def- he definitely backs it up, unlike Jalen Ramsey. So, oh, yeah. But it's Richard Sherman. I think, honestly, if you look at some of the quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame right now that have not won a Super Bowl, again, played in a different era, Dan Fouts is a name that comes to mind, who played for the San Diego Chargers from 73 to 87. And he had, he never won a play, he never won a Super Bowl, but he has more than 43,000 yards in his career and was named six Pro Bowls. So there's one guy. Here's another big guy, Dan Marino. He never won a Super Bowl, but yet he's in the top. Uh, quarterbacks, I believe, is top ten right now. Jim Kelly, who's won, who's won to four straight Super Bowls in a row, lost all four times. He's never won a Super Bowl, but he's in because he has two hundred thirty-seven career touchdowns. And I don't think it's the the uh, the line is low or the expectation is low. I think sometimes some people just do enough in their career to get in. Now Matthew Stafford, this helps him get in. I really feel like. This is something that he's needed to get for a long time. He's played for a terrible team. He's done his time. It's like he did purgatory for 12 years. And now this is what you get when you believe in Jesus. You know, this is his coming to Jesus moment. Finally, you worked off all your sins and you finally get to the promised land. You get to LA, you get weapons, you get an offensive line, you get a defensive line, you get an actual defense that can hold a lead and help you win the game. So to me, I feel like this kind of elevates him a little bit. Not too much. Now, he's only, what, 34, 33, 34 years old? He's yeah, still, he's in the mid-30s. Yeah, he still has plenty of time to win another Super Bowl. More chances than Aaron Rodgers does of winning another Super Bowl. More chances than, obviously, Tom Brady's done. So or more, t- more chances than Drew Brees ever will. So he has a lot more chances now. Again, it also goes back to they have a better team right now. Next couple of years is going to be a little different because they don't have any first-round draft picks. They're also losing out on like four key players, OBJ, Von Miller. I, I couldn't remember the rest of the list, but really, there's two guys right there. Maybe Aaron Donald leaves now. We don't know. Maybe Sean McVay leaves because there's rumors that he may leave the Rams and go into broadcasting. I don't know, but as of right now, the Rams are still a better team in the NFC to win a Super Bowl next year. I mean, to say McVay's leaving is kind of ridiculous because, I mean, he's a young coach. I mean, why would you quit for broadcasting? I mean, you're one of the top coaches in the NFL right now. I mean, more money. If you're telling me money, I mean, I, I, I mean, unless you're getting paid like double what Tony Romo's doing for broadcasting, I mean, I don't think it's really worth it. I mean, you're. I mean, there's I there's believed to be rumors for coaching extensions. I mean, Zach Taylor's getting one because again, he just led the Bengals to their best season in like over 30 years. Yep. And Sean McVay should definitely get it because he's 
Now, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. And in that re- regard, I mean, I, I would think you'd think about other coaching opportunities. I mean, he, he's got plenty of time to do what he wants. The guy's only 36. I mean, that's you got some guys that are playing that are at that age. So Rogers. <laughs> yeah, Rob, definitely. I mean, he, he's been getting more commercials, though, as you've been seeing. He's now uh, the spokesperson for Campbell's Chunky Soup as uh, definitely getting the, that uh, media attention and for s- some other players you mentioned with the Rams because Donald apparently was considered retiring. I mean, it, it is a possibility. Donald's been playing for a long time. It's been over 10 years. I believe he's been in the league. And then, uh, I mean, some people just think he's a lot younger because, you know, he's been playing so good and so dominant as a defensive player. I know Whitworth is, uh, I believe retiring because again, the man is in his forties and has been playing this game for a long time. You get to re- go out on top, winning. Well, he deserves that. If he if he's going on top or going out now, he definitely deserves going on his own terms, especially winning Super Bowl. Yeah, and then going back to Matthew Stafford, though, with our discussion, what he where he ranks among like you know QBs. I mean, you you compare people will compare him to other quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl at least once. I mean, like Nick Foles of the Eagles. Some people would even say possibly Joe Flacco when he was with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Flacco was having a great year when he won that Super Bowl. And then, I mean, I wouldn't compare. I would compare Stafford better than the other guys like. Um, what was it? Uh, Johnson for uh, Brad Johnson for the Buccaneers or yep. Trent Dilfer for the Baltimore Ravens. And then and then you look at some other QBs that are on the list. I mean, the, I mean, you got obviously your greats like Aikman and Brad Shaw. And then, I mean, Stabler with the Raiders, who won, I believe, twice. Mm-hmm. But Stafford definitely uh, gets a bit more respect with that Super Bowl ring. I mean – Heck, I'll even admit it. So some people will point it out, but yeah, Eli Manning. If he doesn't have those Super Bowl rings, he doesn't get in because his record is 500, 117, 117. I mean, Joe Namath of all people. I mean, he has a losing record as a quarterback, but yet people like him just because of his swagger, just because of his popularity, just because he was the one that said, "Yeah, we're gonna go win the Super Bowl tomorrow." I mean, that and that's why people even regard Super Bowl three as like one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. I know you love it, of course, being a New York Jets. The only um, the only championship we have. <laughs> yeah, so that it's just how you uh, rank these games, and I mean, I I still look, was looking at that uh, CBS post where they said that that it was there's only been a few Super Bowls where you have championship uh, runs uh, like our championship plays like where you win on the final one of the final plays of the game. The Bengals are now two of them because the, there was one from uh, the 1980s with Joe Montana, Super Bowl 23. Yep. And then now they have this one, Super Bowl 56 with the L.A. Rams. But definitely heartbreaking for Bengal fans, but they'll be back. And for Stafford, he's going to be. Uh, building up to next year. I mean, the Rams are going to be a team to look out for, especially in the NFC as a powerhouse. Yeah, and, like, you think about this also. Did the Bengals get lucky this season? Because think about it. The Ravens are normally the team to beat in that division. Lamar Jackson, who was uh, was hurt, but they had Huntley as the, uh, the backup. Who isn't a bad backup, by the way? Kind of a similar, smaller Lamar Jackson. Not as fast, but he's still pretty good. And then you also have um, – I mean, obviously, I don't think the 
the Browns are much of a threat anymore. I don't, I think there's too much instability with that. Clearly Baker Mayfield was the problem as a lot of people have alluded to this past week. Uh, was OBJ the problem or was uh, Baker the problem? I think we know the answer now. Uh, Steelers, they have a good roster. They just need a quarterback. They have the defense. They have the offensive line. They have weapons. Deontay Johnson is not a bad uh, receiver. Uh, we'll see what uh, Juju Smith-Schuster does in the offseason, but they got weapons. Uh, the Harris from the Alabama team, they, they have people they, they can go to. So this is going to be a tough division. I think it's going to be a lot tougher than people think. I think Joe Burrow has a lot more opportunities to get to the Super Bowl than Matthew Stafford does. And you look at the NFC side, the Rams right now are still the best team. You have the uprising Cowboys, who if they can get their stuff right and get out of their head when it comes to playoff season or even getting the right coach, we'll see which which comes first because we still have no idea. Is McCarthy still going to be the head coach? Are they going to move forward, give it to uh, Kellen Moore eventually? Or look outside of the box and give it to somebody else. Who knows? Maybe Jason Garrett comes back. <laughs> That's a joke. That'll never happen. <laughs> That'd be funny, though. Right? Great <laughs> job. Great job. Yeah, great job. It. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The clapper, as they called them. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the NFC, besides the Cowboys, there's no really good team. I think the Eagles have some pieces, but they're still in a slow rebuild. Uh, obviously, they proved a lot of people wrong this past season. And yeah. the NFC South, <laughs> that's completely up for grabs. I think the best team right now, if you base it off quarterback, is the Falcons because of Matt Ryan. Now with Tom Brady out, the only reason why the Buccaneers were ever picked in the top five in the NFC was because Brady was there. Now that Brady's gone, they have weapons, but who's going to be your quarterback? That's going to be the real question. So you look at the NFC side, Matthew Stafford and the Rams still have a great chance of repeating. To look at uh, this offseason, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of QBs on the move where, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been linked to possibly going to even Washington. I mean, the the commanders have been talking about getting a veteran QB as, I mean, Russell Wilson could be uh, an interesting target. I mean, people – are thinking Rodgers could go to the Broncos. As a result, I mean, you look at betting odds for next year, the Broncos kind of jumped up a bit because of uh, a lot of that speculation. And then we're waiting on the Deshaun Watson news. Of course, uh, his uh, trial actually begins next week where uh, witnesses, well, but pretty much the the, the plaintiffs uh, pretty much uh, read their statements uh, mm-hmm. to the court. So that's going to really uh, put some uh, news on, a lot of the trade rumors because the off season is going to start real soon. I mean, it's like March 10th. Usually that's when officially free agency begins. You got different QBs available and especially with the way this draft is looking, it's not looking too good. People keep saying that this is not a good draft class might be, I mean, I'm sure some guys have been saying that this is probably one of the worst draft classes since 2013. And I mean, I remember watching that draft. I mean, they had guys like EJ Manuel, uh, Geno Smith. Yeah, you remember Geno yeah. Smith? I mean, heck, he <laughs> even played for the Giants. And then uh, he still plays for the uh, Seahawks as a backup, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been all over the place. I mean, kind of oh, like the new up? Fitzpatrick. But <laughs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting NFL offseason, especially with uh, the with who's uh, these coaches decide to bring in as well because a bunch of new coaching hires to mention for these teams. 
Yeah, Geno Smith is still with the Seahawks. Oh. Yeah, no. he was playing when uh yeah, Wilson got hurt, I think, for a bit this year. Yeah, and he was I, I actually completely forgot about him, honestly. I thought he was gone. Apparently still there. Mm-hmm. He was with the Charger, he was with the Jets because they drafted him, which is a terrible idea. Um, the Giants for one season, the Chargers for another, and then he's been with the Seahawks since 2020. So interesting with Gino. And yeah, I mean, I've looked at I've at least been trying to get into the draft this season. It does not seem like it's one of those drafts really. What the team needs are big, but can they fill them in the draft? And I, like the Jets right now, they have two first uh first round draft picks in the top 10. They have the number four, and they also have Seattle's number 10 pick, thanks to that trade with Jamal Adams. But do you keep it or do you let someone else take it for a trade? I, I don't know. I hope they play it smart, but I, I'm not really impressed with this uh with this draft class, and it just doesn't seem like it's gonna be one of those drafts that I mean obviously I'm gonna watch it because I'm very I want to see like who's gonna be taken but I, I just I don't know I, I think I'm with everyone else like I'm not really impressed with any of these picks maybe I'm, I'll be impressed to see where Kenny Pickett goes if he goes to Pittsburgh or not but that for the first round I'll, I'll be watching it with my eyes like uh. <laughs> yeah along with uh I mean the big player is i mean hutchinson from uh michigan but i mean a lot of people probably expecting since jacksonville has the top pick and since they need guys on defense i mean imagine that he'd be the number one pick in the draft i mean jaguars got the number one pick again the giants i mean we have two picks near the like top 10 so definitely need to use some of those players and then i mean cincinnati they're gonna go all in on the offensive line because I, I remember hearing a comment the other day, Bill Polian even mentioned how, you know, if they don't get an offensive line, Joe Burrow's going to end up like Andrew Luck, where his body is not going to be physically capable of continuing to play at the NFL standard. And that's going to retire at that point. He'd be retired by like 2027. And can you imagine the rage of NFL fans? If you see Joe Burrow ending up, pretty much retired by the time he's 28 people would be furious by the league and they'd be frustrated with the fact that they, they you know it's like you need an offensive line to protect these quarterbacks because you're treating them like cannon fodder yeah no this is like sorry my microphone like kind of jumped up at me i didn't think it was that close but yeah like that the outrage that the nfl fans would have for roger goodell which would also put roger goodell back into the uh the hot seat probably the worst commissioner ever. Obviously right now it's a little, it's taken by uh, Rob Manfred, which we'll get to in a little bit on the show, on this episode about them will be lockout, but man, that like two quarterbacks within the last like 20, 15 years, no other quarterback, no other commissioner that's happened to you before. So clearly the Bengals really need to go all in on the offensive line. They can get a little, they can maybe get a, spend a little pieces on the defense or get some free agents. Maybe, get rid of Eli Apple after his uh, atrocious Super Bowl that he had. But then again, Jalen Ramsey wasn't as good either. So who knows what the Rams are going to do him. Like, do they want to keep Jalen Ramsey who can talk a big game, but can't really play the big game. Um, known to many as a biblical storyteller. I know him as my father. He just makes the Bible come to life in a relatable and comedic way. The epic narrative is in the second season. It's the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible and the life 
Uh, first season was all about David's life. So listen to the epic narrative wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, and or Google. You are listening to the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. We would like to thank you for listening to us wherever you may be listening. Eric Miller alongside Noah Fegler. Uh, talk about the, the NFL. And I feel like right now, Noah, we need to have a quick moment of silence because we lost a dear friend. The NFL season's over with. It's mm-hmm. gone. There's no more Sundays with the NFL. So if we could just have a quick moment of silence. <laughs> okay, we're done. So <laughs> it feels like we lose a friend because what, what, what do you do on Sundays now? Yeah, I know. But uh, one more quick thing I wanted to yeah. mention it was uh, the NFL honors this past weekend hosted by uh, Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> that he, was did, great. he did the whole song. And I will say my favorite <laughs> thing was uh, the one was the one clip where, I mean, he's uh, he goes up to Roger Goodell and then Roger Goodell's like he's he ends up singing a bit for a bit. He's like, I'm only here for hugs. And then it was like, wow. I mean, he didn't expect that. But nope. uh, I've never really. Uh, watch these uh, award ceremonies because I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, they try to pretend like it's the Oscars, but yet, you know, you just read them on the notifications. Like, okay. Yeah. But definitely wanted to bring that up on the NFL season. So go back to your point, Eric. Well, like, so also I have to give a big shout out because I know, I, obviously this person is never going to listen to this podcast, but it's okay. Um, I met Tony Baselli a couple of times when I was working with Westwood one for uh, as a PA and finally getting into the NFL Hall of Fame. I now know him as the Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli, which is great. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excel, excited and proud for him that he's gotten into uh, Canton, Ohio, or is going to be in Canton, Ohio, as the uh, offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's also, by the way, the first overall pick for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. So when the Jaguars came into the NFL at early Late 90s, I believe, mid 90s, uh, Tony Baselli was the first overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, congratulations to him on uh, getting into the NFL Hall of Fame. I did see, because obviously they changed it up this last time um, for getting into the NFL Hall of Fame. And I was listening to Historian and then NFL on Instagram. They were able to post the videos of how all four of these or five of these men were able to get into the, uh, the Hall of Fame. And, Sally was able to go to a friend's house and the friend was busy and he, they heard the knock on the door. He's like, Hey, can, can you go get that for us? He's like, yeah, sure. He goes to the door and sure enough, he knows exactly who it is. Like, Hey, welcome to Canton. So it was a great moment. Um, he's, he's a great guy. I, I love listening to him. Um, I love talking with him because he's so funny behind the state, behind the scenes. Oh my goodness. He's, he's a riot. He's very tall, very big. When I first met him, I like I and Eagle, I'm actually taller than I and Eagle, which is great. So and it gives us hope. So when we become broadcasters one of these days, we can look at these kids and like these NFL players like, hello, sir. How are you? I like literally, I think I had to like perk my neck up, like, hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> and like when I was a PA in Baltimore, just like in the in a radio booth. You have the main guy, so it's like Baselli on the right-hand side, Iron Eagle in the middle, his spotter on the left. And then the producers literally right behind him, giving them, like, the PAs with the media now, PSAs, uh, some informational facts, like, oh, Philip Rivers has just, like, did this in the playoffs. And they have, like, the, the sticky boards, and he gives them, like, the note cards that are, like, 
actually have stats on them. They give it to them during that time. Uh, the spotter is literally telling like which receiver made the catch at what yard line. So that's how the radio guys know. So I'm giving you a little ins and outs of the radio of a professional radio uh, broadcast. I was upstage with the sound guy to my left, listening on the headphones to what's going on. And when we're off, when they're off on like, when we're like halftime or anything, we're literally just goofy. <laughs> they're like little, they're like us. When we've done a broadcast, though, you know how, how joking I can be without even during a broadcast. I am myself 100% of the time. What you get is what I am. I, I don't need to breathe anyone else. I will be as cool as a cucumber, but I will make and crack jokes to get you laughing and to get, keep you entertained as much as possible. But those guys, oh man, they are hilarious. So I, I'm just very excited that Tony Baselli finally gets into the NFL Hall of Fame. Hey, definitely cool um, for the new Hall of Famers. Uh, I think uh, Dick Vermeil was another one and uh, Richard Seymour, just yeah. some of the guys that uh, got into the Hall of Fame class this year. And then, uh, I mean, it was cool seeing some other guys win awards. T.J. Watt winning uh, that Defensive Player of the Year and also being presented to him from uh, J.J., his brother, was yep. uh, definitely a, a cool, honorable moment for him. And then uh, also Joe Burrow, I believe, won uh, Comeback Player of the Year. So Called it. Yeah, top guys uh, to him. But definitely another NFL season in the books. And – now they just uh, wait wait for next year. And, I mean, people are going to watch the USFL in the meantime, you know, True. just uh, at least uh, distract them from the fact that they don't have football for the next few months. <laughs> and they don't – we don't have baseball right now. I mean, with the lockout, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today or yesterday, and they still don't have a deal done. And it's ridiculous because the owners – I get both sides. I, I really do. And I'm I'm not trying to play favorites at all. But I get where the owners are coming from. They lost money through the pandemic. 2019, 20, or 2020 season, a lot of the teams couldn't have fans. And it wasn't until they moved half of the playoffs into Texas and other sites where they were finally able to have fans in the stands, which I completely understand. So you lost a good amount of money. However, the players also matter. And you knew, again, I believe the last time we had a situation like this was what, 2012, 2011, something like that with baseball, where the agreement, it was 10 years. And again, a lot of the stuff happened towards the end of this CBA agreement. But you you got to be able to at least pay these players. And you're also cutting out minor league players. This is how they live. They live in the minors to get to the major leagues. You're cutting all of that funding out. And they're like, oh, we're not going to take care of you. Why? What have they ever done? This is how we keep baseball going. We keep the farm systems going. We keep them growing. We let them learn. We let them make mistakes. But they learn from it to get to the major league level to finally feel, hey, I've earned this. I've earned this spot. And you're trying to take that away. Pretty soon, if you get rid of the minor league baseball system, you're going to get rid of baseball. That's, that's what it feels like right now. And right now, we don't have baseball already. So you're already taking it away from everyone. Yeah, the baseball season really should be getting ramped up at this point because pitchers and catchers should be ready. I mean, they should have already sent down the trucks to to Florida and to Arizona. 
And it's really not benefiting anyone with this lockout continuing to go on. Rob Manfred said last week that everything's going to start on time, that, you know, the season will will still have opening day on March 31st, that everything should be done and dealt with. But unless, again, I, I said it like, last week when they, when he was mentioning it, that if it's not settled by even like last week or this week, it's not happening because yeah. if spring training is not starting on time, then the season will be pushed back at least through maybe mid April and negotiations are a problem. I mean, it's unfortunate where it's mainly because of the minor leaguers now of where the problems are lying with the MLB players association. First, it was that when they were training, with the team in Florida, they wouldn't get paid at all. Now yeah. you're saying that you're pretty much cutting the salaries of these players, but then also roster spots being a problem. I mean, you always hear stories about minor leaguers where like they're sleeping on like an apartment floor or even sleeping mm-hmm. in their cars or, you know, the fact that for food that they, they can't even feed themselves for like maybe weeks, like yeah. barely enough for an entire day. And I mean, you're seeing the MLB making huge changes to their minor league system for the past few years. I mean, they cut ties with a bunch of teams about who's affiliated. Also, some of the teams that are affiliated with some of these teams, like I remember the Trenton Thunder, a longtime affiliate for the Yankees. Now they're not. I mean, in their double A system, it's now another team in uh, Somerset and they're just making adjustments, you know, to try and uh, work with the quality of players. But you're having people lose jobs, the players, I mean, the team staff, I mean, will suffer eventually just because, you know, they lost that MLB affiliation. And the last time there was a big lockout like this was in 94. They didn't even play an entire season. And yet the team in Montreal, the Expos are still bitter about that because, you know, they had a championship caliber team. They could have really made strides with their organization. But as a result, I mean, the, the money financial problems got the best of them. And ended up having to sell the team and ended up losing him to the Washington Nationals. And, I mean, also the fact that, you know, baseball needs to happen this year. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm already happy enough Big Poppy's getting into the Hall of Fame, but I still want baseball to happen. I, I'm, I'm, I want to go see a Red Sox game this year, and yet if it's because of negotiations, I'm going to be ticked more than anyone, no. seriously. And this is not set well for the reputation of Rob Manfred. I mean, it's already bad enough that he did not handle the Astros uh, sign-stealing scandal in the best way possible, but yet here it is. It's not looking a good sign for him as commissioner of Manfred. Major League Baseball. Yeah, and originally that role for the worst commissioner was Roger Goodell for so long. And now Roger Goodell actually looks like a saint. Adam Silver has been probably the best commissioner of the three. And then you also Dana White, who's way above beyond everyone with the UFC and has handled it and also brought Fight Island to a uh, to a place where, hey, we're still going to have UFC. I don't care what you say. This is happening. We're still going to be going hard and going strong. Um, and it, it just really sucks with baseball because you've had time to figure these things out, but you let the pandemic happen. And, and again, I'm not trying to use the pandemic as a problem. Yes, it is a problem, but it's not the main problem. What the main problem is, is you're taking away jobs. You're taking away people's livelihoods. You're taking away people, how they they move forward, how we grow the game. You're taking these things away from these men that Pretty soon, we're not going to have the minor leagues. 
we're not going to have this if you keep taking these things away. On the flip side, though, I will admit, I've never really cared for baseball in March, honestly. Let's face it, it's March Madness. Nobody cares about baseball in March. Some people do because they're cheap seats and it's and the games are so easy to get get away from. You know, and that's what sports is supposed to do for us anyways. If we're going through problems, we go to a sporting game, we forget all about it for two or three hours, and then we go back to our problems. But I'm actually okay if they push spring training to April because, let's face it, that's when real nice weather isn't anyways. Sometimes, not all the time. But if they push spring training to April, would that be a bad thing? And then finally start the season in May. You push the All-Star game towards end of July, early August, and then you have a month and a half where it's the final stretch of baseball season. I don't think that's a bad thing. So as of right now, I could see it being bad if they don't get it within the next couple of weeks. But would that, I feel like that would be a better strategy for baseball in general. And also, it gives more players more time to prepare mentally and physically instead of having, what, November, December, January, February, midway uh, February. That's three and a half months right there instead, where at least you'd have four months off, four and a half months off, Reports to pitchers and catchers. Spring training starts in April. Opening day starts in May. And then, boom, baseball season's here. The, the whole point with this uh, lockout is that, obviously, of money. And, I mean, it's the technical terms of how much money is entitled to the players under those contracts. Because it's like, well, you know, if you play a full season, you get the money. But then yeah. it's like, oh, well, if, since this is a shortened season, like, where does your contract end? And yeah. then... The also big problem is that uh, it would be tradition with the sport as uh, the, the one thing that you always hear about with baseball and some of the problems is that, you know, that they, they don't, people say they should shorten the season, but then they say, well, we know we love the way baseball is. We love how it starts in April and we love that it goes into October because when people say this is October, you know, yes. you're talking about MLB playoff baseball. And then you look at some of the big events going on in April. I mean, it's opening day. It's like the fact that it's like as spring is finally here because you got to remember spring technically starts like in March 20th, 22nd, whenever the equinox is. But I mean, you have uh, the, some, some of the big games like, I mean, Jackie Robinson Day is in April. I mean, again, when he broke the color barrier, when everyone wears number 42, I mean, that's an emotional day for everyone. I mean, special. And then you also have, I know, Red Sox fans, they have Patriots Day where you have the Red Sox fans like they they go to a a game starting at like 11 a.m. I mean, that's like part of their tradition. It's also because the Boston Marathon is that day as well. Yeah, Boston Marathon, uh, definitely a big part of the city. And that you have so much tradition involved with that, that you just lose out just on the fact that you are not selling these tickets and for baseball. I mean, that that's their own fault. It's the owners, it's the players, it's everyone involved. I mean, that, that's pretty much what these lockouts come down to. They'll, they'll, they'll bicker, they'll throw slander at each other saying that this is preposterous and all these fancy words that, you know, some people don't know, but, the, the the fans lose out and yeah. the teams lose out by not selling those tickets and the money. And so that that's why, I mean, they, they got to get this done or otherwise you're, you're, you're just ruining the sport of baseball. I mean, it was already bad enough that you mentioned the pandemic. They only had two months. It barely felt like a season. I yeah. mean, it started in late July and 
you lost, they lost a lot of interest in baseball just because they could have been playing through June and July that year, but they just couldn't get it done because I mean, who, where does the money go? And that that's just, I mean, out of all the sports, I mean, I think MLB unfortunately has the most problems when it comes to money, at least the NFL and NBA get it done. It's just the MLB continues to have problems with the, those negotiations and even cap space. I mean, that's a whole other issue, but that's another thing with, uh, that they're talking about with these baseball negotiations. Yeah. And it just seems like, I mean, when you mentioned Patriot day, it's also the only state by the way, in Massachusetts that gets that day off. No other state gets that day off. So when the Boston marathon happens, even when I was growing up in Massachusetts, we would always have that Monday off because of that day. Normally it was during uh, spring break, by the way, for people that actually have spring break in Massachusetts, because we went, we went to school until the actual day of summer in June, which is what I always tell my wife, like your, your months of seasons are weird down here because we started school about early September is when we mainly start school here in Pennsylvania. You guys start school in August. That's still summer. That's not, that's not school time. That's summertime. <laughs> it always drives me crazy. And then you end school in May. No, no. You go until June. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Your yeah. seasonings down here are terrible. Your weather is terrible. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but yes, it it just like the owners. I the owners to me feel more stingy about money in baseball than any other owner in sports. Like NBA, like okay, we're willing to give these things up because we know it matters for our fans. For, for uh, football, we know this matters for our fans because this is what we got. So we're going to try to work with them. Baseball, well, yeah, that's not really going to work for us. You're going to have to do a little better. Uh, players, yeah, that's not going to work for us either. Nope, sorry. And you're going to have to try harder, try better. And neither, one, neither side wants to, and that's really what the disconnect is. And it, it just sucks for everyone involved, not just the players, but the fans. The media, I mean, the media is going to blow this thing up until it goes even farther. Yeah, like ESPN is going to really struggle too. Think about it. They're already normally by this point, they're starting to have baseball tonight go in and starting that baseball tonight programming. What are they going to talk about? And on another day of the negotiations, we have nothing figured out. And that's the end of our broadcast. <laughs> what, like, what more are you going to find out? You know, Tom Verducci is probably not going to be able to come up with anything. Um, Who's uh, Passon? Huh? Yeah, Jeff Passon's not going to be able to like. Well, they haven't figured anything out. They want this. These one. These guys want that. That's where we're stuck at. <laughs> it's really not. It's not going to really help. Yeah, no. The only the only baseball stuff I'm going to get excited about is the Little League World Series on ESPN. Apparently, that's going to be the only thing <laughs> if they don't get this all squared away by the time, uh, like within the next few weeks. But something that is exciting to watch this weekend is the NBA All Star Game. At least the NBA is still going on. So we got that. And here's the question of the day for you, Noah. Do you know? Well, there's two questions. And I'm trying to figure out which. I may be wrong on the first question. You can look it up later and try to figure it out for me. Uh, And if you would like to email us at the middaymanasports at gmail.com, you can with the right answer if I got this wrong. But I have two questions of the day for you. So. What city has hosted the most NBA All-Star games? So that's question one. What city has hosted the most NBA All-Star games? 
All right. So we'll start with this question. Um, I mean, every year it feels like it's like the same city, but it does um, feel like it. I was going to guess New Orleans because it feels like every year that it's like in New Orleans. So it could be because I ended up stopped counting after a long time because the list is ridiculous. I got New York at five times. Okay. Uh, Boston was a close second with four. And I believe Phoenix was a close one as well. And also now leads us to our second question. What city held the first all-star game? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the most for those cities. I mean, that's going back to like, uh, the early days when they were hosting the all-star games. So, 1951. Um, yeah. I, I was going to guess Boston because I mean, since they were one of the founding members of the league. Yes, you are correct. No. Okay. Do you know where the, uh, this is just a bonus question. Do you know where the basketball hall of fame is? Oh, um, oh man. I think I, <laughs> I it's a it's, random place, by the way. I think it's uh isn't it somewhere in like Connecticut or something? <laughs> it okay. is in New England though. I'll give you that. Okay, so it is, so it is somewhere in New England. Okay, so 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 is it in Rhode Island or Massachusetts? I'm going to say Massachusetts. Which one are you going with? Because I can't really tell. Massachusetts. I'll go with yes, that. It is in Massachusetts. Okay. It's in Springfield, Massachusetts. I used to drive by every weekend when I was coming home from Connecticut to Massachusetts. So I've been there once, which is really sad because I lived there for like 12 years. And I only went there once, and it was only for the last half hour. They didn't even let me. They didn't have me pay, which was great because mm. it was. Ugh, don't even get me started in that story. It was a messed up story. Anyways, I was supposed to go with my friends. I ended up getting a ride late, and my friends were basically all done with going through the whole thing, and I was really upset. But they let me in for the last half hour, so we got to go to the basketball court. This is like no way. Um, we got to go to the actual basketball court that they have. They have like met multiple different uh, basketball courts. So they have like the smaller one, the larger. So maybe you could dunk finally with on like a six foot rim. And that's basically the only one I've ever dunk on. But it's a lot of fun, especially now that they've updated. They have the Kobe Bryant stuff. They have the Shaquille O'Neal, Kevin Garnett, so, um, Tim Duncan stuff there. It, it looks much better. And I feel like they keep updating it and upgrading it every year. Because every time you would drive through Springfield, it looks like, oh, well, they're doing something new there. Or, oh, they're doing something new there. And then when you're when you're trying to go during the Basketball Hall of Fame ceremony, you don't want to drive in Springfield. It's it's too packed. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. from, Brist, from Bristol, Connecticut to ESPN, which is where ESPN is, to Springfield, it's about 45 minutes away. Maybe yeah. under an hour. So, yep, not too bad. But the All-Star Game is this weekend, and... <laughs> I don't know if you saw last week. They uh, LeBron, Team LeBron and Team Durant, they're the uh, co-captains or the captains of these year of this year's team. Did you see the uh, the draft at all? I mean, I did not watch it all. I mean, I was going to see. Uh, <laughs> you I- missed the greatest thing ever because the final pick, which was also, by the way, on the day of the NBA trade deadline, which is what we'll talk about in a second. But the final pick went to Team LeBron. And do you know who that last pick was? Uh, no, I don't. But, I mean, I could probably uh, think about it when uh, you mention it. Just go ahead. James Harden. <laughs> it came, <laughs> yes. It came down to James Harden and Rudy Gobert. And it was Durant's pick. <laughs> it was so funny because even LeBron, who had the clipboard, who had, like, everyone – 
all the team or all the uh, players written down. And LeBron <laughs> was like dying laughing behind this clipboard because he knew right after the trade deadline happened. He knew that he was going to get t- uh, James Harden on his team and Kevin Durant with a straight face, by the way. I don't know how he did this, but yeah, uh, so many sides on my team. So I think I already got enough shooters. So I- I'm going to go with uh, with Rudy Gobert with a straight face. How do you do this after James Harden gets traded Man. to the Sixers? It was hilarious. And LeBron James and everyone. Like Kenny, Chuck, Shaq, Charles, everyone knew it like, was cracking up laughing about what was going on. And it just seemed like, nope, I'm not picking him. You can pick him. I'm not picking him. <laughs> it was great. TNT guys definitely have a lot of fun with the different topics. Definitely uh, an award winning uh, pregame show that those guys do. But. <sighs> Yeah, the drama's there, but of course Harden's not going because I believe he's hurt. So they had someone else. Sir, <coughs> yeah. But I mean, you must be happy because at least your team blew the out the uh, Sixers last night. Oh yeah, man, that that was great. I mean, we won nine in a row. I mean, like, I mean, I remember like looking at the Celtics season, and it's like, okay, we're losing to the Knicks now, and then. We're, <laughs> Losing to random games like to the Bulls, and then I mean the Bulls are pretty good, but then we're losing to teams like the Hornets, and then the I think we lost to the Pacers at some point, but we've won nine in a row. And I mean, some people you got to think where where is it going right? I mean, is it because we traded away Schroeder and Richardson, and it's now a lot of it? I mean, I was looking at an article about that about the game, and they were saying it was spacing that you know they're creating more assists we've actually been one of the better teams uh creating assist opportunities uh as of late and then i mean it also helps i think we played a bit of a weak schedule because i mean that, that game against brooklyn they didn't have durant they didn't have irving that they only had was like patty mills and blake griffin like it was a big blowout yep. i mean they are playing well i mean i'm happy for the celtics that you know we're, we're figuring it out coach udoka is uh finally got this team into a good form and also a bunch of familiar players because we got Daniel Tice back as uh, part of a trade. I mean, we got rid of uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom. So did the Rockets. I mean, as soon as we, they traded him for him, they're like, yep, you're gone. We're just uh, <laughs> getting rid of the contract. So, I mean, they, they just traded him just to get, give away, I believe, Daniel Tice. So definitely interesting uh, moves at the deadline, especially with Mr. Ben Simmons and James Harden. I mean, we were waiting for it, but it finally happened. Yep. And it, like – Obviously, with the six or the Celtics winning nine straight, you're now in that six seed spot, so you're not playing for that play-in spot, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. You bump the Raptors down to the seven seed. As I'm looking at the standings right now, it is the Miami Heat, the Bulls, the Bucks, the Cavs, the Sixers, and the Celtics are the top six teams in the East. And then for those four teams playing for the last two spots, it would be the Raptors, the Nets, the Hornets, and the Hawks. Anyhow, the, the Nets aren't healthy yet because they don't have Durant. When Durant plays then they'll get back out of that situation. But as of right now, the Cavaliers to me have to be the surprise team in Eastern conference with the 35 and 23. They're two games back from the number one seed Miami heat right now in the East. And even though they've lost two in a row, they're six and four in the last 10. They're not a bad team. They're 18 and nine at home, seven and eight in their division, 17 and 14 on the road. So they're a lot better playing at home than they are a road team, but 
also two and one as overtime, but this team does not look bad at all. Now, yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers, definitely one of the biggest surprises where they're a top three team. Everyone thought that, you know, this team was going to be in a long rebuild, you know, because it's like, oh, well, this is pretty much whatever's left of LeBron's mess because of why he was there with the team. Because it's like, oh, you got Kevin Love, you had Tristan Thompson, and it's like whoever was on the team when LeBron was there. But then, I mean, you got different guys uh, filling in, and Cleveland has been playing well. I mean, you look at their roster. Jarrett Allen has, uh, I believe he's, uh, he was actually now in the all-star game, I believe, because he's a replacement. Uh, I believe he filled in for uh, James Harden. And then uh, Darius Garland, I believe, has been really helping out. Uh, Karis LeVert as part of that team. And then, I mean, a 35 and 23 record. And, I mean, they've been playing well against teams like uh, their division rivals and the Pacers. Mm-hmm. I mean, winning a majority of those matchups. And then, I mean, it also helps when you play in the same division as the Pistons, because, again, the Pistons are just way awful. And at this point, I, I really think they might be tanking. And then uh, you'll see some other games that they've played. I mean, they had a bit of a struggle in December. But granted, I think I think a lot of people had to struggle with December, mainly because mm-hmm. of COVID. Because, again, I, there was a bunch of COVID outbreaks amongst uh, all the athletes. And then I mean, you get, got some wins against teams like Brooklyn. And it, it's going to be an interesting uh, point for the Cavaliers once they uh, come out of the All-Star break about seeding and everything. Because if they get to host more games in Cleveland, then that really helps them. Yeah. I mean, again, when the Raptors are actually still, to me, they're a little surprising being down in the seventh spot right now. The Hornets and Hawks, I, I kind of expect that because I believe we're the Hawks part of the play-in series last year. The Knicks, who were in the playoffs last year, are also looking outside in. Um, as you said, the Pistons, they're 12 and 45. They have no chance. But the Cavaliers in their division are 7 and 3, which is actually one of the better teams besides the Miami Heat. They're 10 and 2. And then you have the Bulls at 7 and 3, the Bucks at 8 and 3. The one surprising team in their division is the Sixers, who is 4 and 7. Um, so what, which obviously kind of goes to show why the Bucks are in, uh, in that three seed instead of the Sixers. But I feel like NBA should just be done with the divisions. I mean, divisions aren't really used anymore. It's obviously just the conference schedule. It's not the division standards anymore as much as it used to be. Um, I I personally feel that they should get rid of the divisions in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, my brother is a bigger basketball fan than I am. Um, again, because he, well, should I have him on for this now? Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> hey, he, he played high school basketball. I mean, I, I didn't, but I mean, he, he, he's always told me like the divisions are kind of pointless because they don't really play into the factor of like who gets into the playoffs. But I mean, the, the playing game is going to be quite interesting because I mean, the, you had some teams where. I mean, the Lakers are going to have to play in at this point. And, yep. I mean, everyone's looking at how the Lakers are doing. I mean, they're, they're already talking about, you know, pretty much tearing apart this team. Get get rid of Russ. Get rid of Davis because he's just not playing good. Get LeBron, rid of LeBron. Le- LeBron, at this point, he, he's not he, – he doesn't care much about – they would say he doesn't care much about basketball because he's old. And at this point, the one thing that's important to him is because he just wants to play with his son, wherever that may be, even if, you know, he has to play for the – even if he has to play for like the Pistons or the Pelicans for like a year. So for 
for this uh, upcoming uh, postseason, I mean, it's going to be interesting for some of these teams. I mean, I still see the Bucks as a serious contender because, again, it's mm. Giannis. The guy has been the Greek freak dominating all over the court, and he's, again, won multiple MVPs, so don't count him out. Miami, I mean – yeah, the, as long as they can say consistent, because I feel like every time it's like you look at Miami, it's like sometimes they're winning a few games in a row. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're in the fifth seed because, you know, they ended up losing to like, who knows, like the Knicks in one game, then losing to the Bulls. The Bulls, like, I mean, that's I'm not a surprising team. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by them. But then when you look at their offseason transactions, like, OK, yeah, that makes a little more sense because, again, they get, went after DeMar DeRozan, got Alex Caruso. And got some other guys to fill in. I mean, I believe they have Vuvicic on the team. So they got a bunch of rotating pieces that have really built this team to top quality. And then now you look at the West, Phoenix. Man, they have really done well. I mean, I I think one of the best things, you know, was signing Chris Paul. Everyone thought, you know, he's just going to retire. You know, the guy's old. I mean, that's what people do in Arizona. They just retire. I mean, I think between that and then Monty Williams coaching, that's really put this team into now a top quality NBA finals contender. I mean, of course, the one team is standing in their way is golden state because i mean that's that's going to be an exciting series to i think coming down to the western conference finals yeah i i still think we're going to see the rematch from last year's nba finals i think we're we have to see it again and i think the suns are a lot more determined this year to go and to win this year than they were last year i think last year they realized okay we're good but we weren't supposed to be here. Everyone, like, they were in the play-in game last year against the Lakers and won. And then, or I think it was the first round of the playoffs, they weren't supposed to be the Lakers. The Lakers are, are too good. The Lakers are this. And they just shut everyone up. And then they weren't supposed to be the Clippers. The Clippers were an even better team. And they shut them up. And it just seemed like, okay, this Suns team is for real. Devin Booker is for real. That, that Kentucky Wildcats team that he was on, he was already playing high-level games in college when he was in – in uh, Kentucky University or University of Kentucky. But they, whatever Chris Paul, what everyone thought, oh, well, Chris Paul is going to the Phoenix. Well, like you said, he's only going to retire. Listen, when LeBron James went to LA, it was a business decision. When Chris Paul went to Phoenix, it was not a business decision. It was a personal decision. This kid is the up, up and coming Kobe Bryant. I see a lot of potential. I see a very dominant DeAndre Ayton in this Phoenix Suns team. They need a leader. I'm that guy. We're going to win a championship. The fact that Chris Paul was snubbed as an NBA MVP last year is ridiculous. And I think he deserves it this year more than any year ever because the Suns end up getting the best record in the West. They beat out the Warriors. Right now they have a five-game, five-and-a-half-game lead over the Warriors in the Western Conference. They have a great shot at being kind of like the 2013-2014 Spurs when they lost to Miami and then they ended up dominating the rest of the NBA the next season. That's what this team reminds me of. They didn't really lose anyone. They kind of got everyone back, and everyone's more focused and more determined this year than they were last year. This team is going to be a very dangerous team. And you talk about the Western Conference. The Timberwolves right now are in a play-in game. The Clippers, the Lakers, and the Trailblazers, who, by the way, got rid of C.J. McCollum, and it's only Damian Lillard who was basically there from – their, their golden years or their glory years, who knows what's going to happen with him. But I, I don't see that they're going to do well. Now, they have Joe Ingles, who was from Utah. 
He's a great three-point shooter. They have Eric Bledsoe, who's another good three-point shooter. Uh, but I, I don't see this Timberwolves team doing anything exciting to get to that next level because they just got rid of their best, their second best player, CJ McCollum. This Western Conference to me has to go through Phoenix. There, I don't. I think Golden State is good, and I, I did read that there's an article going out there right now that um, Steph Curry is more determined to get his fourth championship ring than anything else. I think he'll eventually get it, but I think for this season, it, it's got to go through Phoenix. That is the likely scenario, and as long as Phoenix keeps that momentum out of the All-Star break and, again, against their tough schedule, I'd imagine, because the West is uh, – always been the bet has been the better conference, you know, oh, yeah. for NBA just because, you know, co- combined competition. And then the Grizzlies, I will say one, one, they're another big surprise this year. Yep. The fact that, I mean, they play good with Morant, but then there are times where they play good without Morant. And then, I mean, big shout out to Tyus Jones scored 27 points and nine assists as I mean, I remembered that guy. I was like, he played for Duke when he was part of that championship run, I believe, in 2015 when they took down Wisconsin. I mean, I mean, it was Jones. It was Okafor. I mean, my brother's a Duke fan, so he knows Same. all about it. Justice uh, Winslow. Justice has been served. Yeah, all, the, all those guys. So it's good to see him get that win for the Grizzlies. They've had, I believe, multiple uh, times in the year where they've won six games in a row. And the, the Grizzlies are a tough team to take down. And I'd imagine that they, they would really disrupt anything during the postseason this year. So don't sleep on them. And then the Jazz, I mean, no one's taking the Jazz seriously unless they get to the conference finals. Because they never it's like, do, which is sad. And it's, it's like every year, like Donovan Mitchell, he'll – tear it up against like say Dallas or Denver for like, you know, the first round. And then the next round, it's like, okay, you either win two games or, you know, win one game against say golden state or even the Lakers or even the Spurs who are when they were on top of the world. But now unless you finally get that breakthrough win, no one's going to finally take them seriously. And then Dallas, I mean, they traded away Kristaps Porzingis. So this is more now on Luca. That's what Dallas hopes to achieve. So, and who knows, there was even rumors about last off season. Does Luca even really want to be here? Because, you know, they got, because Carlisle was gone and you know, Dallas will be Dallas with Mark Cuban. So it's going to be quite interesting for the off season, but this postseason is going to really set it up for the Western conference. I will admit though, there's one team to me, that's a dark horse that obviously in their standings in the Eastern conference, they're pretty good. Uh, and are also right now the number one team, one number one seeded team in the East, which is Miami Heat. And you look at their experience that they have. They have guys like Kyle Lowry, who's already been in the NBA Finals and has already won an NBA Finals championship. Markeith Morris, who's been consistently in the playoffs year after year. It seems like whatever team he's on, he's in. Victor Aladipo, by the way, from Indiana, who's been a pretty solid player over the uh, last few years. Tyler Hero, who, I mean, he went off in that COVID year in the bubble in the NBA Finals, or to get that team to the NBA Finals. P.J. Tucker was also in the NBA Finals last season, and then you have Jimmy Butler. To me, these guys who have so much experience, that leads up to a very good um, – that could lead up to a very solid NBA playoffs run for the Miami Heat. By the way – I mean, they're really, what, two years separated from the NBA Finals birth. That, this is the reason why Kyle Lowry said, hey, I want to go to this team. 
they have a lot of good experience. They have a lot of good guys. Eric Spolstra is still the coach. And it seems like Eric Spolstra, who is now taking the reins as one of the best NBA coaches because he's been in this league for quite some time now. I believe he's been in this league since, what, 08, 09, or 09, 2010? Before the big three came to Miami Heat, he was the NBA uh, coach. So they got a lot of experience and a lot of players that have been through a lot, have done a lot in this league, and they're ready to make another deep run in the NBA Finals. Yeah, as you mentioned, Spolstra, I mean, you got to remember, this used to be the guy, you know, to, to deliver game tapes to uh, mm-hmm. his coach. As I mean, that, that was his job, and yet now he's regarded as one of the best NBA coaches of all time. I think he made the top 75 list uh, that came out recently, I believe, of top NBA coaches to ever be in the game. I think uh, Red Auerbach for the Celtics obviously got it because, right. you know, he won those championships back in the 50s and 60s. And then you look at Miami. You mentioned Tyler Hero. I still am upset about his play in the Eastern Conference Final. He beat the Celtics. Uh, like, can we guard this guy? I mean, nope. such a young kid, a guy that everyone said, you know, got overlooked for rookie of the year. People were saying he should have been rookie of the year, but he didn't end up winning the award. I mean, Miami, you really think about it within the last few years, they've always, they've definitely always been in the championship conversation. Cause you know, the day, the glory days of Dwayne Wade, the big three of Bosch and uh, LeBron, I mean, that that kept them in the championship contention. And then you see him come back, I mean, with Jimmy Butler. I mean, clearly you're seeing with Jimmy Butler the kind of player he is. I mean, he he turned the Timberwolves into a contender. The mm-hmm. Sixers, I mean, the, the, the Sixers, they, were, they, they had so much going that year when they brought Jimmy Butler there. And some people would even say, you know, can we have fired Brett Brown instead, <laughs> considering how you fired him anyway? Oops. And everything – for that team with Jimmy Butler was destroyed with that one shot by Kawhi Leonard. One, two, three, four. Still <laughs> one of the top plays that uh, I, I still like. It's up there with uh, Dak Prescott, you know, trying to sp- spike the ball, but time runs out. But yep. <laughs> for Miami, it's going to be – I obviously, it's a, I think it's going to be a tough run for them. I mean, mm. you, you look at who they would be playing in the postseason. I mean, you would think – that you would, you would end up possibly facing Charlotte, depending on how they turn out in the play-in game. Could end up facing Atlanta in the first round, and then after that, you're talking about possibly facing the Sixers or the Bucks if they get that far. And then, I mean, the, the number two seed is looking like the Bulls, Heat and Bulls. I mean, quite an interesting matchup. But I've, I mean, Miami is looking pretty good, but I'm not sure if I'm sold on them going to the finals. Yeah, it's. Uh... Like the Celtics are, they're so good and they have a great talent, but it just never seems like it seems like they always hit a brick wall into the postseason. Like we don't know what Jason Tatum team or player we're going to get. We don't know who is he going to be able to carry the team. We don't know what kind of player Jalen Brown is going to be because sometimes in those games he just goes silent. And again, maybe it's part of the game plan. We're going to get the we're going to get the ball more to Tatum. We're going to get the ball more to Marcus Smart, whoever it is, but. He's got to be a guy that you can look at like, hey, it's your turn to step up. Let's go. You need to get some touches now. Let's do this. Um, the Celtics always frustrate me because I always feel like they're really good. They're really they're right there. But then, like, you run into LeBron James in the Eastern Conference sem- or Championship game, game seven, and just puts you lights out. Even though Tatum balled out 
LeBron James is just much better than you were at that time. And I know that's probably going to hit a little nerve for you a little bit there because you being the Celtics fan you are. But, yeah. Yeah, it was heartbreaking seeing some of those uh, conference losses. I mean, you had 2016, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, we got the one game. We were the only team in the playoffs that didn't get swept by Cleveland and of that year. And then the next year – Is that something year, to be proud of, by the way? Uh, I, I mean, that, that, <laughs> I was just glad we won a game with Kelly Olenek and the other guys. And then That's the next – the next year we got Hayward and Irving and we didn't even have them, but yet we had, that was the rise of Jason Tatum. And yep. this, this team with the Celtics, it's good that we're pushing ourselves right now. I just hope we can get ourselves into a position where we don't have to play in the play in game. As yep. long as we get one of those, like if we can push our way into the top four, top three, even that would be amazing considering how we started this season. Cause everyone was talking about how we were going to be in the play in game and how, you know, we we're going to end up, you know, facing Blow the team up. We're going to hear the Hornet play the Hornets and everything. But I mean, everyone, the, the big question is obviously if we, if we don't win, then what happens to Jalen Brown? Because people are saying it's like, well, you should move on because, you know, put more focus on Tatum, especially considering how the Sixers, they just got rid of Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons was part of the big plans. He's not anymore. Because Trust clearly, the process. Clearly the pro the, I believe uh, the process is dead. Apparently, according to Elton brand, their GM. So he said it's all finished, but it's a now the process anyways. Yeah. The, the Celtics just need to trust Udoka with what they have with coaching and then play strong on defense. They've had a really strong defense and yeah. they've been really limiting the points. So that that's something that's been on the rise. They just got to avoid blowing leads. That's the one thing I've seen. I was, it's like when I've seen the Celtics, like we get a good lead, but then, you know, you end up giving like 20 straight points. points. Yeah. Like 20 straight points to like some random opponent and, and then the offense just shuts off, especially with Marcus Smart. I mean, I know the guy can shoot threes, but he can't shoot all the threes because he's just not that guy. I will admit, uh, I don't know if you saw this at all yet, but uh, I believe this was yesterday. Yeah, it was updated yesterday at NBA.com from uh, Michael Wright. Ben Simmons introduces a Brooklyn and is amping up for a return. And he also said, by the way, that it was nothing personal. For the uh, the Philly, it was well, actually no. Ben Simmons said it was a personal thing with me that made him unwilling to play in Philly before the trade of Brooklyn. He's not a fan, not a fan or team or media comments during the during or after playoffs. He says it was mentally himself that he was not yet ready to play. But now with the uh, the new season coming with him to uh, play in Brooklyn, he's going to try to actually get ready and have a better uh, chance to play and make a better impact and hopefully get the Brooklyn Nets out of that eight seed and maybe push themselves up to where the Celtics are right now at the uh, six seed. So instead of the Celtics or the Brooklyn Nets playing for the, uh, the playing game, maybe push the uh, Celtics in to that playing game, or even maybe pushing the, uh, your former team into the playing game, the 76ers who I believe they have a few uh, matchups coming up later down the stretch with only about a month left of the season, because I believe, or a month and a half left of the season, because there's only, what, like 20-something games in the in all of NBA after the All-Star break. So it's it's coming down to the wire, which obviously on the Midday Madness Sports Podcast, you will probably hear us more talk about the NBA. Obviously, with the NFL season over with, I feel like I should put sad music there. 
um, especially for our moment of silence later on when I edit all of this later on. Um, the NFL is it's 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 done. It's it's over with. Let's let's move on. It's like a bad breakup. I hate when the NFL season's over with because it's like in Toy Story three when uh, Woody watching Andy drive by. So long, partner. Man, you're making this sad, man. Come on. <laughs> it is a sad moment. You know, it was your friend for from September to this past Sunday, and now it's you know you need to get some uh, tissues. My wife was here. She'd be like, oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? It's not that ridiculous. You're so <laughs> emotional. Oh, She's not here today, so I can say all these things. She probably won't even lose this episode anyway, so. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but we do have also, I always forget about this, our This Day in Sports History. And again, we are going to get some sponsors from these things because eventually this will have to be like a sponsored segment. You know, like our question of the day brought to you by blah, 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 blah. Our, uh, our On This Day of History and Sports History by OnThisDay.com and February 16th. Uh, 1923 U.S. men's figure skating won by Sherwin Badger. Uh, so obviously we're sticking with the um, the Olympics. 1950, the writers failed to elect anyone in the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1953. So yeah, that's that's a little shocking. I thought. 1972, Wilt Chamberlain becomes the first player to reach 30,000 career points in a loss. So the Phoenix Suns, they lost by 1.110 to 109. And also, in 1991, another Winter Olympic history moment, Tanya Harding won figure skating championship. But there's also that uh, I, Tanya movie on Ulu that kind of brings it up, some things to like. Because there was a little, I believe there's a little uh, extracurricular activity, we'd like to call it in the media business, that happened before and after. So... Be sure to watch that. I haven't watched it yet, but with the Winter Olympics, I kind of feel like I want to. And with the day off, I may actually watch that movie when you're on today. Yeah, I mean, uh, another one is uh, they did a 30 for 30 on it called uh, The Price of Gold. Uh, yes. Something I watched, uh, I believe, uh, last week because definitely wanted a little more context on that whole situation. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little shocking, you know. It's, uh, that is this day in sports history for February 16th. Brought to you by honestday.com. And so no, if you have the the uh the quote of the day, I believe. Yes, so we'll I do. To, we'll get As, to know for the quote. All right. So this one was from uh dreamstime.com. Uh definitely uh something that that, that meant to me was uh, a day without laughter is a day wasted. As uh you know, I mean, sometimes you go through a rough day, but I mean that. I, I believe it was a Jimmy V who said, it's like, if you have a full day where you're moved to tears, you laugh and you just uh, enjoy your life. I mean, that that's definitely something you enjoy in your day. And that, so there you go again from dreamstime.com a day without laughter is a day wasted. I mean, we definitely had some laughs on here. I mean, that's definitely uh, some things we try to bring here on the midday madness sports podcast. So definitely uh, thank you to dreamstime.com for bringing that. Yeah, you will never not have a laugh on this because I will try to make no laugh as hard as possible. My goal eventually is for having you drink something 
And for me to say something like super ridiculous, so you spit it out and we have it on camera because that eventually will make it on our eventually because I already have all of these things saved. The I'm going to try to do like a bonus episode of like things you might not have heard during the podcast. This and like having you spit out something to me would be hilarious. <laughs> Great, a spit take. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Hey, ooh, that's that's. I'm gonna write that down. Spit take for a podcast bonus episode. <laughs> I like it. I'm being creative every day. I hope everyone had a uh, good Valentine's Day. No, what did you do for Valentine's Day? Uh, I mean, I don't do do much, but anything. Uh, so, no special I mean, person I, yet. No, I mean, well, I just got some chocolates, but definitely nothing. We'll have to work on that then for you. Maybe we will, we'll have to work on that for it. Maybe get <laughs> Noah a girlfriend or a significant other or some, we'll, we'll figure something out for you, Noah. We don't want you to be alone anymore, all right? Oh, well, thank you, Eric. You're too young. You're too young to be alone. I mean, I'm only 23, you know. You're too young. <laughs> too young. <laughs> yeah. I already met my wife by that age. She was driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she drove me to Connecticut. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding if she's listening to this. <laughs> Oh man. On that note though, we are going to end our podcast again. We want to thank you for listening to episode eight of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Google, Apple, the list literally goes on and on and on. And I don't have enough time to say all that. So again, we want to thank you. Check out episode nine coming up next week. Uh, the NBA, uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about the NBA season coming up. Maybe some more uh, NFL storylines that are happening in the offseason now that it's over with. Yes, I'm still emotional. Leave me alone. I'm allowed to be. As you laugh at my feet. Um, hopefully we'll have some news in baseball. And I believe by that next week, the Olympics will be over with. So maybe we can recap some of our favorite performances. May I don't know. I actually really haven't been paying attention to the gold medal count. I should probably do that soon, especially if we're going to talk about that next week. But again, thank you for listening to episode eight. Follow us on Facebook. Email us at Miller. Uh, nope, that's my email. Midday Madness Sports at gmail.com. On that note, yeah, I am going to sign off. For Noah Pegler, Eric Miller, I want to thank you again for listening to us. And until next time. 